0: Well, good morning. I hope that you're glad to be here today. And uh, we're going to speak today about a biblical baptism. And if you look a little bit into uh, church history, you will find some interesting things. And way back in biblical times when we... uh, um, would read back we could see there was baptisms in the Old Testament and then when the church was uh, instituted in Acts baptisms again were were coming and when people believed they were baptized. And somewhere in church history it sort of drifted from that and they began to baptize younger children and baby baptism and really part of that was to Uh, get people to commit into a church. So in some of the churches maybe that we were raised in, uh, the church I was raised in, I was baptized as an infant, and then I had these godparents that were supposed to be there that if something happened to my parents, or if I strayed from the faith, they were supposed to step in and make sure that um, I remained committed to the church. Well, as time went on, people realized that that really wasn't a biblical uh, picture of what baptism was. It wasn't a biblical command of what it was. And so uh, a long time ago, there was a movement that took place. And out of that came the Anabaptists. Not anti-Baptists, Anabaptists, where they began to read the scriptures and just said, you know, baptism is for believers. And out of that came a lot of the Protestant uh, churches that we see today that practice what we call as believers baptism. And so as we look at the scriptures, we see that there are one of two ordinances given. We have communion or the Lord's table, and we have baptism. Those are two things that the Lord had left us with to uh, practice and to institute as a church. A uh, majority of the people profess Christianity have not been baptized according to biblical Teachings. A lot of people just haven't been baptized according to how the Bible describes baptism. So uh, we would say as as infants, we don't really recognize that as a baptism. We may say that that could have been a child dedication or something like that. But as we look at the scriptures, we're going to see this is when they believed and were baptized. So that's why we have a believer's baptism. And then really a failure to take baptism seriously within a church, within a body of believers, is a reason I think that many believers in churches are weak today. We see churches that are moved um, left and right all the time by political sway, by uh, economics, by, by all sorts of things, peer pressures. And we see churches that are moving all the time because they're not holding to the fundamentals of biblical teachings. Now, as these two ordinances, they're really the simplest of ordinances to um, partake of, I believe. As, as, as far as the whole Christian walk goes, it's pretty easy to observe the Lord's table and it's pretty easy to be baptized. Now, in my opinion, the reason that a lot of people don't get baptized is because they're sort of a single, that's a single event with a person. So, if we go down to the lake or to the river to be baptized or if we have a tank, you know, that one person is coming up, all the eyes are upon that person and they're sort of the center of attention for a moment there as they get baptized. The Lord's table on the other hand, we pass it uh, through and everybody's sort of doing it, so it's easy for everyone to to partake of that. Even though the Bible warns that if your heart's not right with God, you shouldn't do it. You should let it pass. But a lot of us don't let it pass because then this person next to me is going to think, well, there's something that's not right in my life. So, you know, it's sort of this catch-22. But everything in the scripture is telling us really to to be close to God, to be in line with God, we need to be obedient to God. And so the church has become weak because we don't observe... And we don't do what the Bible tells us to do. And I'm not talking about a church telling you to do something. I'm not telling you about an organization or a religion telling you to do something. I'm telling you about like what God's Word tells us to do. And we're going to bring up some scriptures today. You have some of those scriptures in your bulletins. If you want to go home and read it more fully in context, you can do that. But there's also a place when we talk about the Lord's Table, just to bring that in. And we always take our reading out of uh, 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. And if you read on a little bit further than when we go, it says, For this reason, many are weak and sleep amongst you. And it was because they were taking the Lord's table in an unworthy manner, in a wrong manner. But the same can be with baptism. If we are not walking in obedience to God, I believe fully that it can really um, sort of stop us in our tracks uh, where we're at. So I know in my life I was saved and... um, I was saved for quite a few years and I never really got baptized and, and I'm not really sure why I didn't, um, didn't want to be the center of attention, didn't want to be a spectacle. Then after a while, um, I hadn't been baptized in a long time and then by me being baptized I was going to show that I was sort of disobedient for a time. But there was a time and actually I was down in Mexico and, and Pastor Lean was the one who baptized me in the Rio Grande River. Uh, he was doing other ones there. and. Uh, He spoke the word and it just convicted me in my heart that I needed to be baptized. And so I went down and I became baptized. And it was really one of the turning points of my life. And I'm going to tell you that baptism doesn't really give you any special powers or things, but I think it allows us as believers to move on to the next stage that God has us. If you've listened to... um, You know, my theory on on our Christian walk that it's like a runner that races a track and there's hurdles, okay? And if we try to avoid that hurdle and try to go on, I think God continually brings us back to that hurdle until we have dealt with it. So in our life, if we have problems that we're ignoring, if we have situations that we're just trying not to deal with, uh, but we want to move on and we want to be closer to God, he's going to bring us back around until we deal with that situation. And I believe baptism can be one of those things in our life. So I would like to take really this, this thinking even a step further and say that, I believe that failure to take baptism seriously is, is a major problem in the church today. I see churches even trying to take this baptism out because people don't want to deal with it. Um, you know, the churches that I've belonged to, um, you were baptized, you became a member of the church. And I know a lot of churches today, again, they're taking that uh, away. But I think it's at the root of a lot of problems in our church is just that lack of obedience. Lack of personal obedience to what God has called us to do. Now listen, God tells us to do a lot of things in our life individually. And we need to listen to him. We need to be obedient about that. So the question today is going to be this, on obedience as we look at baptism, I know a lot of you have been baptized, maybe some of you haven't been baptized, maybe some of you have been baptized in one way or another, um, what I'm here to say is just, this is biblical teaching, because even if you've been baptized, and maybe you have kids that have asked the question, grandkids that have asked the question, friends or something that may ask that question, you know, what is what is this baptism all about, why do I got to do this, um, maybe this will give you some biblical background on really, what it means to be baptized, and that's where I want to go today. So we're going to talk today about why do we get baptized. Why would a person want to get baptized? The second question would be, how does the Bible teach us to be baptized? God teaches us a certain way. There's a method in there that we want to talk about. And then the experience: what does it mean to me? What does baptism mean for the individual believer in their life? Is it something that that is significant in their life? And so the meaning. Here's our first scripture. Matthew 28 tells us this. Jesus said, All authority has been given unto me and to heaven and to earth. Go therefore making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So we had a visitor come to our church a Wednesday ago from the Conservative Baptists of America, and one of the things that he talked about was this verse right here talked about making disciples but when we read through the scripture it says so much more and this is Jesus that is telling us these things these are the things that he's telling the apostles and and those that are listening to say this is what I want you to do as believers this is what I want you to do as a church and Jesus says all authority has been given to me In heaven, on earth. So he says, I have the authority to institute this. This isn't just a suggestion. This is something that I want you to do. I want you to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. So one of the important things we need to do is is make disciples. And so a disciple is a student. A disciple is somebody that is growing in Christ. So when somebody comes to the Lord, they really don't know. They don't know a lot of things other than they've known Jesus. They know that they were at the bottom of the pit and and they were without hope. And so they've prayed this prayer and, and given their life to Jesus. But the question is, now what? Now what do they do? So that's discipleship. That's taking somebody under your wing. That's walking with somebody and growing with somebody. So he says, I want you to make disciples of of all people, of all nations. And what's the first thing he says? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. We baptize them. Now there's going to be a, a, a teaching lesson on this in a moment, but I want you to see that Jesus said that. I want you to go out, make disciples, and get them baptized. And I want you to observe all things that I have commanded you. And he says, I am with you to the end of the age. So Jesus wants what? He wants us to make disciples. He wants us to be baptized. And he wants us to be obedient to his word and what his word says. So if we follow the line and pattern in this example of what Jesus has for us, we can just see it's sort of laid out there. And when we read through the New Testament, and you can read just about anywhere through the New Testament, that when people were saved and came into a relationship with Jesus Christ, immediately they were baptized. There was no waiting. Up here in the north, we sometimes wait until the weather's a little nicer in the summer. But that's even why some churches will have uh, baptismal tanks, because when somebody feels that that calling to be baptized, to step out in obedience to God, people want to be ready. Okay. So in the New Testament, when we read through, people almost immediately, if not immediately, were baptized, and so. Um, We can look at these scriptures and we can learn a lot from from what Jesus is saying. So when we look at some of these other things and we're going to talk about it because there's basically only... Uh, five reasons why somebody wouldn't be baptized or hasn't been baptized. Um, we'll take a look at them in just a moment. But the next one is, is in uh, Acts um, 2. And this is where Peter is talking now. Okay, And so this is where the church took off. This is where the church had started. And so Peter said, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about three thousand souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrines and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. So that day, we see where. 3,000 people were baptized. So he's talking to people here, and I, I want to just point out, sometimes people misunderstand this. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of the Lord. Okay, so uh, we're baptized, and it says for the forgiveness of sins. Baptism does not forgive our sins. Our sins are not washed away when we are baptized. Baptized has a specific teaching that we'll talk about, but he's talking about repenting of our sins. Okay, that's an act with the Lord. We seek forgiveness for him. We repent of our sins to him. But when we do that initially, when we become saved, again, we are baptized in the name of Jesus. And it's in the name of Jesus that we have the remission of sins. Okay? It was through his blood upon the cross that we had this remission of sins. And He says, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Again, sometimes people believe when you're baptized um, that you're going to get this extra boost or this extra power of the Holy Spirit in your life. I personally don't believe that. I believe that when the moment you're saved, God gives you everything that you need uh, for your whole Christian walk. But when you are baptized, or when you are obedient to whatever it is God calls you, there's an extra blessing. I do believe that comes with us. There's always a blessing with obedience. And I think it makes God happy. It helps us fulfill our walk. It helps us in our walk. And we become a stronger testimony to those. So why wouldn't people want to be baptized? We'll talk about this. Uh, Believers' baptism, again, is believing and then being baptized. So uh, it's not just the intellectual knowledge of saying, well, I I believe there's a God, but this is really having Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So the first one would be what? There's been no proper teaching. A lot of churches don't really teach a whole lot about baptism. They don't uh, teach the significance of of baptism uh, in their life or for the church. So sometimes there's just no... Proper teaching. People just haven't been taught. And if people aren't taught, again, this is part of that disciple-making that was talked about in Matthew. Go out and make disciples. Okay, you got students. When you have students, you begin to teach them. That's why we have Bible studies Sunday mornings and through the the fall and winter. We have them, you know, during midweek so we can learn what the Bible teaches about certain things, about doctrines. And again, they had talked about... um, in in uh, Acts, there about going out and following the doctrines of the apostles, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrines and in fellowship, and in the breaking of bread, Lord's table, and in prayer. Those things were very important, and so never been taught true scripture meaning. So that can be the first reason why somebody hasn't been baptized; they just really didn't know the significance of it. The second one can be too proud. You know, and I think I sort of fell into that. I was saved. I was saved for a while. I was teaching Sunday school. I was doing youth things. I had this and I had this span that was going on. And and all of a sudden, you know, I was sort of being convicted about baptism. But I sort of thought, well, you know, if if I if I go and get baptized now, then I'm sort of admitting that I didn't understand or I was in disobedience for so long. And so pride sometimes comes in. Uh, It might require humbleness to do so. You know, I've had some people say, well my hair is going to be a mess when I come up from the water, okay? Do you think God cares if your hair is a mess when you come out of the water? The people are clapping and they're cheering. God, is he's happy to see you uh, coming out with the right reason. We don't care what we look at. We're not doing it for attention to ourselves, And that's part of the pride thing, too, is, is we think, well, all the attention's going to be centered on me. Well, it shouldn't be centered on me. It should be centered on what God is doing for me. And we always bring whatever we do in word or deed, do it unto the glory of God. We give God that uh, recognition that he needs the third one sort of indifferent to we really don't see the significance of it we're sort of indifferent to and indifference is is, uh, is is a is a unique word because if we're indifferent to people they say that that's one of the the hardest things for people you know somebody might say I'd either like you to like me or not like me so I know where we're at but when you're indifferent it's almost like you just ignore it like there's it almost doesn't exist. And so, for somebody that might be indifferent to this, they're just saying, really, baptism isn't that important. It's just not an important thing. Even though we can show them the scriptures that uh, you know, bring this out time and time again, people become indifferent to it. The fourth one, defiant. They rebel and refuse to be obedient. We have that in our lives at times. You know, we we like to look at little kids and say, oh, he sort of got a defiant spirit, but a lot of times believers do too. The Bible tells us we're supposed to forgive those that that spitefully use us. It's hard to do sometimes. I'm not going to forgive that person. Do you know what they did to me? You know, tells us that we need to love one another. We don't always do that either, do we? So we can be defiant in a lot of things, but... We know now, so this is the fourth stage. We know what the Bible says. We've been taught. Um, we might be dealing with pride. We might be a little indifferent to, but we're just defiant. We're just going to say, I'm not going to be baptized. I don't need to be baptized. I'm not going to be baptized. And so we just stand in disobedience to God's word. And the fourth or the fifth one would be this. Just say, unregenerate. I'm, I'm if you're not saved... You're not going to feel any need, really, to be baptized. You're not going to feel any need, really, to follow God's word. We have a lot of people today, again, that fill churches every Sunday, or a lot of people in the world today that call themselves Christians. They're professing Christians, but the question really becomes, you know, have they been born again? Do they know Jesus as their personal Savior? Because there are those that are religious, there are those that are moral, there are those that that probably live better than, you know, some that really are saved, but they don't have that personal relationship. They haven't been regenerated in Jesus Christ. And so they're unregenerate. When you're unregenerate, the things of God doesn't really matter to you. The things of the world are those things that are most important. Seeking after this or seeking after that. When you're saved, the things of God start weighing on your heart. The things of God become important to you. And those are the things that begin to move us to be obedient to him. So there's no moving of God's spirit to obedience. So really, again, God empowers us in our life. The Bible would say in the flesh... No one seeks after God. In our flesh, none of us seeks after God. But by his spirit that is in us, which happens when we are saved, when we're born again, we receive his Holy Spirit, that prompts us, that draws us, and the more that we learn about God, the more that we walk in his ways, the more we want to be uh, pleasing to him and obedient to him. So if you have not been baptized, you fit into one of these categories or another. And so you can look at that and say, well, which one am I in if I haven't been baptized? Or when you're talking with somebody else that hasn't been baptized, you can maybe have some of those categories in your mind of saying, and asking people, why haven't you been baptized? Why haven't you given your life to the Lord and and followed Him in that simple step of obedience? And if that's the case, that that You say, well, I haven't had the proper teaching. Uh, We're fixing that right now. You're going to get the teaching through the scriptures. You're going to know what God's word says in this. And so you ask yourself, am I proud? You know, is it important to me? Am I too prideful? You know, am I, you know, uh, just in rebellion? Or uh, maybe am I a Christian at all? People need to ask themselves. You know, the Bible tells us, examine yourself to make sure you're in the faith. If they're the things of God... And they're important to God. They should be things that are important to us also. And so then we can talk about the method. And there's churches that do different, a whole lot of different methods. And again, when I talk about a method, I want to just talk about um, what the Bible teaches. And I want to just say this too, that there's still grace and there's still exceptions to the rules, so there's some hard and fast people. We believe in immersion because we believe that's what the Bible teaches, and I'm going to sort of present that to you. Uh, but there may be a case, and I remember when we were up north, um, we talked about scenarios where maybe somebody wouldn't. Um, uh, Want to be immersed, and we talked about we had, like if an, if an elderly person who was in the hospital and they got saved and and they had uh, you know uh, tubes coming out of them or their health was that frail, would we still? make them, you know, get submerged. And I think the answer to that is no. God has grace. God knows the heart and those things. But those things are, to me, anyways, are sort of the exceptions to the rule. You look at those things. If somebody just says, you know what, I don't want to um, have my hair messed up when I come out of the water in front of everybody, that's, that's not a reason that I would say not to. But, I mean, if there's a health concern, if there's a, a true concern, um... I would say that there's grace in that. So as I talk about these things, I want you to understand that there's also grace with this. But there's two words that are used for baptism in the New Testament. Bapto and baptizo. And they're both verbs. So, you know, I don't teach a whole lot on, on the words, but I think it's important that we know what these words mean and that we can look at them. Bapto is only used four times. It always means to dip, to dip into, to dip into a dye. So that word was used when they would dye their clothes and, and color their clothes. Uh, in all these um, cases, it means to submerge or immerse or to dip into. So that's the meaning of the word. When we look at it, uh, the true meaning of the word. A stronger word than bapto, an intense form a bapto is baptized. Uh, "baptizo," from which we get our word baptized. Baptizo is used many times in contrast to the four times that bapto is used. So that's the more aggressive form. So when we talk about that will show up here. Uh, the verb always means to dip completely. And it is the same word meaning to drown. So it's the same word that we would use to mean to drown something. So to drown usually means to be underwater. Totally submerging, immersing, or dunking into water. The noun that is used, baptismal, Uh, baptismos, always in the book of Acts refers to a Christian being immersed into water. So every time that that word is used in Acts, it means to be immersed into water. Um, The verbs, again, baptismal and baptize are never used in a passive sense. So a passive sense would be, if I walked up to you and poured something on you, that's passive, okay? But if you go out into something, And that's the more aggressive form of those things. So it's never used in a passive sense. Water is never said to be baptized onto someone, like sprinkling, pouring, or putting water on your fingers and dabbing it on someone's head. There's never a context for that in Scripture, in all of Scripture. There's never a context for that. Always someone is baptized into water. When the Bible is talking about this in Acts or the other words that are used throughout the New Testament, always someone is baptized into water. Baptism always means an immersing, a submerging, or a dunking into water. And so when we think about this, these are just words that should affirm why we believe what we believe. Not just trying to say, well, it just means this or means that. Because if you were to talk to a lot of people today Depending on how they were raised, they're going to have a different form of what baptism means, okay? They're going to have different methods of of even doing it. So we know some churches, they sprinkle, right? Some dab, some do a pouring, okay? A lot of them will bring up scriptures that that will do that. I had a good pastor friend up north, and they did a pouring on method. And they said, well, this for us represents the pouring on of the Holy Spirit, Okay? We had the talk over what the meanings meant, and they did both. They did a pouring, and they also would do uh, an immersion. So you you can, depending on who you talk to and how they've been raised, their mind will tell them that baptism or to be baptized means one thing. But this this is the meaning. These are the words that come out from Scripture on that. So Matthew tells us, This, in 3.16, Jesus, after being baptized, it says, Jesus went up immediately out of the water. So when we look at something like that, what do we see? Jesus had been down in the water, right? And now, he went out from the water. So we sort of have that picture. If you're looking at that and saying, well, what did that look like? Use your imagination. Jesus, after being baptized, went up immediately out of the water. So he was down in, he went up out of. Acts eight thirty-eight after his confession of faith. Philip ordered the chariot to stop. They both went down into the water. And when they came up out of the water, it continues on. So again, we see that they were down into the water. They came up out of the water. So we can sort of get the picture even just by the, the words that are said. And we're seeing what they're doing. They give us that example of what was happening. Now, there's a method also that takes place as spiritual teaching opportunities. So people say, well, what, what's the purpose of, of being baptized today? You know, back in the biblical times, I would tell you that those that believed would go out to John the Baptist or that were baptized after that, they risked a lot by being baptized. That was their public testimony to the rest of the community, to the rest of their family, to whoever was watching, that Jesus was their savior. That they were now Christians, that they were followers of the way, as the Bible would say. Now you'd say, well what's the big deal about that? Well back then it was a big deal because if you came out of a Jewish family, you were excommunicated. They had nothing to do with you. If you were a businessman in town, they weren't going to do business with you anymore. So you were going to be shunned by a lot of the community, shunned by a lot of your family, shunned by a lot of things in your in your whole town. And so for them, it was a significant thing to do. And yet we see their response was immediately. They saw the grace of Jesus Christ. They saw the love of God in their life. They knew that he was the way and the truth. And they were willing to sacrifice all that stuff. And they would go out publicly and testify by this baptism that they were following. Today it's not so much that way. If we go out to be baptized... Our neighbors aren't really going to stop doing business with us, you know, generally, or people aren't going to frown down upon us. But for them back then, it was a strong, strong um, statement of what they were going to do. And some forsook everything. They gave up everything by doing just that simple lack of baptism. But I want to tell you, it's a teaching opportunity, and so the Jews had a lot of teaching opportunities. They had circumcision, so we talk about the f- circumcision of the flesh. We can talk about the circumcision of the uh, of the heart. They had animal sacrifices. Well, what did that mean? Well, that was to give, you know, that the, the blood, and it was also a provision for the priests and different things. And so they were able to teach through those things. Uh, the Passover, great teaching opportunity there about God passing over and, and supplying uh, what was needed, the forgiveness and grace through those things, uh, the Lord's table, when we come together with the Lord's table, we always talk about the symbol of his blood that was shed for the remission of sins, and his body that was given for us. God became man and walked down amongst us, but baptism always has, also has uh, that significance to us that we need uh, to be able to teach people in our lives. What does baptism mean for us today? If it's not costing me, if I don't have to sacrifice, you know, business and this and that, what is the significance of that today? And I'll tell you that our our, um, teaching opportunity for baptism is great, I think. For us, and there's again some different ways that people do baptism. Some may have you kneel in a river and they might baptize you forward. I've heard that some believe that that's sort of the picture of Jesus dying on the cross. You know, when he gave up his spirit, he probably slumped forward, and there it was, and then coming back up in the raising of life. We tend to baptize backwards. We lay down death, burial, and resurrection, right? So we can picture that. We can talk with people about that. When they say, why do you baptize this way? We can give that... That example of really what baptism means to us. It's a representative that that I am dead to myself now. I have died in Christ. It's no longer that I that lives, but he that lives in me. And so there's my death and my burial. I'm buried in Christ Jesus, but I have been rose again. I have eternal life. And it's the same thing that we would look at at Jesus. He was laid in the tomb, and he rose again from the dead. So we can use that as a, as a word picture for children. We can use a word picture for our friends and others that um, might be looking at us and saying, why, why do you do it that way? What's the significance of immersion? Why does it have to be that way? Well, if somebody drowns, right, they're dead. But if they're pulled back up, they're alive again. And we're alive in Christ. And that needs to be uh, really the uh, teaching that we have for people. It's a symbol. It's nothing more than a symbol of what God has for us. It's a spiritual teaching opportunity. Baptism was a symbol of his death, burial, and resurrection. So Jesus said this in uh, Luke 12. He says, "'I have a baptism to undergo, "'and how distressed I am until it is accomplished.'" When we look at this, I believe really that he viewed his death as a baptism or immersion, as dying and rising again. You know, there's a lot of different things that that Jesus probably could have said. And if I was to ask you this question, um, how did Jesus fulfill the righteousness of God? We might have some different answers that come out. We might think of some different things. You could say he lived a perfect life, but that really didn't fulfill the righteousness of God. Just living that perfect life. He's the only one that's ever done it. But that didn't do it. How did he fulfill the righteousness of God? By dying on a cross. By dying on that cross is how he fulfilled that righteousness. So whatever Jesus' baptism means, somehow it's connected to his righteousness of fulfilling righteousness. Because there's a lot of things he could have said in Luke 12 there. He could have said, uh, I have a death to undergo. But he didn't. He said, I have a baptism to undergo. So here's one of the teaching points that we can have. He could have said, I have a sacrifice to undergo. He sacrificed himself. He was the ultimate sacrifice. The one and only sacrifice ever needed from that point on. But he didn't say that. He could have said, I have a self-giving to undergo. I'm giving myself for the rest of the world. But he didn't say that. He said, I have a baptism to undergo. He could have just said, I have a crucifixion to undergo. But he didn't. He said, I have a baptism to undergo. So that word baptism is an important word. And when we look at our lives, and when we look at our baptism, we can see what it reflects. It reflects what? A dying and a rising again. And that's what the symbol is in our life. That's what the symbol is to our church family. When we go to be baptized, we're telling the world, we're telling our church family, we're telling our neighbors, we're telling who's ever there to observe it, that I am dying to myself because I have new life in Jesus Christ. So the spiritual experience is not a, a feeling or a warm fuzzy, though we may feel good. Obedience always, I think, uh, helps us to feel good and things. But it's not just a warm fuzzy. It's not a group activity. It's not an individual conquest. It's not something that, that we plan and that we accomplish. We're simply walking in what God has called us to do. True experience is doing what God has commanded as God has commanded for the reason that God has commanded. We lose that in the church today. God has given us many things in the Bible to make our life better and to make our life what it needs to be. It's not just a list of do's and don'ts but there's things in there that he wants us to do because he knows that they are better for us and that they're good for us. And so that's what baptism can do. Anything else falls short. Again, I just want to say that. True experience is doing what God has commanded, as God has commanded, for the reasons God has commanded. See, if we do it for any other reason, than for the reason God has said, it's of no value. You know, I can try to work my way to heaven and do this and do that, but the Bible says, by grace you have been saved, through faith, not of works, lest anyone could boast. We do the things we do because God has called us to do them and we're acting in response to him. Baptism does not make you holy. Baptism does not save you. Baptism does not secure you. Baptism does not provide some ongoing power. There's a lot of churches that will teach it. Well, you want to be secured forever, you need to be baptized. The Bible doesn't teach that. Baptism is a symbol just as communion is. This is the Lord's table. It's a symbol. All baptism does is demonstrate your obedience and give you that joy of obedience and the blessing of obedience. And that's what God wants, is obedience in our life. He wants us to be willing to follow Him and to do it willingly. Not compulsed because we have to, but because we want to. And if you have His Holy Spirit in your life, He's prompting you He's prompting you to do the things that he has for you, and we wrestle with that. I wrestle with that. You know, there's times I just feel like, man, I know God wants me to do this, and it's just like, oh, you know, and it's just, there's there's the struggle, there's the pull. Paul talks about that in Romans quite a bit. He says, you know, we wrestle. We wrestle with our flesh, and we wrestle with the, with the Spirit of God, and Paul even says sometimes I find myself doing the things I don't want to do and, and, and you know uh, he just knew that that wrestle went on and we have that in our life. But there is nothing really better than that feeling of being obedient. than The joy that comes from serving the Lord because of what he's done for us and really the blessings of obedience. And I think that's what we need in our lives and I think that is what really will strengthen a church is that as we get strong in the Lord, which I believe is just following him, holding strong to him, not giving in to things of this world, as we get strong as a body, our light shines brighter in the world. And people are drawn to that. People in the world today, they want something different than what is happening now. They don't want churches that are just like them even though some of those churches fill up and they're, they have huge numbers, people are really looking for something different. They're looking for something that has meaning and substance. There's that, that void, as is so often is described in our life, that only God can fill. And they may go here and there and everywhere looking for it, but until we walk in his ways, we don't find that satisfaction. And if you want that satisfaction in your life, you find out what God has for you, and doing that. But I hope this just helps you, maybe as you explain to people about baptism, as uh, you maybe evaluate your life in baptism. And I want to just share one other thing. You know, uh, through my years, I've baptized many, many people. And sometimes um, I've been in churches where all of a sudden uh, uh, a young one might say, Hey, I want to be baptized. And so we go through it, and we talk about it. And as soon as his friends find out that he's being baptized, well, they all want to be baptized, right? And we would talk to everyone, and, and I'm not one to ever turn anyone away unless they absolutely did not know the answers to why they wanted to be baptized. But, so sometimes people get baptized, maybe not even realizing significantly what it was. And I had a gal one time, uh, she was an older gal, and she had come up and she said, you know, I think I want to be rebaptized. She says, I was baptized when I was 13 years old, and she says, I, I did it mostly because my sisters uh, were getting baptized, and I really didn't know what it meant, and I really wasn't living for the Lord from that time all the way up until you know, recently. And, and she asked, she said, is there something wrong with that? And, and I tell people, no, that there's not. And uh, unfortunately, when she went back and talked with her sisters, her sisters talked her out of it. I think she really wanted to be baptized in the believer's baptism. But people don't need to be rebaptized every time they go to a new church. It talks about one baptism for a believer's baptism. So if you are a believer and you've been baptized, that is fine. I know churches that say, if you want to join us, you've got to be baptized in our church. That's not biblical. The Bible talks about a believer's baptism. If you've believed and you've been baptized, um, that's good enough. If you've been baptized and really weren't a believer at that time and feel like you want to be re-baptized, there's nothing wrong with getting re-baptized, re-dedicating your life. There's nothing wrong with that either. It's what the Lord lays on your heart. It's what the Lord calls you to do. And again, it, it can be different for everyone. So I, I just want to sort of lay some of those things out there and just really have you think about, you know, what does it mean to be biblical baptism? Because I don't think I've talked about it much since... Uh, since our pastor down here just sort of felt uh, coming up next week with our lake service and uh, just want to remind everybody here again next week we're not going to be here we're going to meet out at the lake Uh, we'll probably have a couple cars here if people need rides um, we can meet here Um, we'll put that out on our our prayer line Um, but we're not going to be having service here next week so if you got friends uh, that you want to invite bring a meal um, dessert or something we're going to be having that out there but uh, it's also a time sometimes when we do baptisms so if the Lord's been leading you to maybe be baptized um, just let us know and we'll talk and uh, we can accomplish that there too so let us uh, close with a word of prayer Father we just thank you Lord for your word and Father we think of obedience and I know in my life I think many times how I fall short I feel you're prompting and I feel you're leading and, and many times I I get distracted or go a different way and Lord really in my life what I want to be is obedient to your word and I know when we talk about obedience many may think of being tied down or being chained down or carrying those weights but um, we know that for the believer Uh, to be obedient is is not a hindrance to us we know it's our sin that so easily ensnagles and our sin that can slow us down but Lord to be obedient to you as a believer in Christ is a joy and it gives us a blessing in our life just knowing that we're walking in your ways there's no greater place to be than in the center of your will So Lord, in all areas of our life, not just in baptism, but in all areas of our life, Lord, help us to be obedient as you speak into our lives. As we read your word and see things, as we are in prayer, and you speak to us, Lord, help us to respond with, yes, Lord, here I am. So Lord, be with us now as we go this day and this week. Bless us in a very special way. Be with those, Lord, that are hurting. Lord, we just uh, pray that we could be used this week to uh, intercede into their life. If we see those around us that have need, Lord, help us to uh, be able to help them. So, Lord, we thank you again for this time together. We pray your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. just a moment. So there is free stickers out at the park if you want to drive out there. There's free stickers for your car. We'll have somebody that will be handing them out. Again, if not, we'll have some people that will give you rides out here. So grab Larry. She's ready to go. Stand. I don't have the words in front of me today, so I'm going to stand like you. Marked is a shepherd's